As far back as I can remember, I always wanted to be a gangster. To me, being a gangster was better than being president of the United States. Even before I first wandered into the cab stand for an after-school job, I knew I wanted to be a part of them. It was there that I knew that I belonged. And to me, it meant being somebody in a neighborhood that was full of nobodies. They weren't like anybody else. I mean, they did whatever they wanted. They double-parked in front of a hydrant and nobody ever gave them a ticket. In the summer, when they played cards all night, nobody ever called the cops. hostage and forced to watch movies that make me sick to my stomach. Does that sound like an That's accurate not true, guys. representation of our of our podcast? It's a podcast. I wish I knew the spiel as good as you did. It's a reboot podcast. Yeah, I'm really recasting <laughs> Hollywood's classic hits so Hollywood doesn't have to. You're welcome, Hollywood. Guys, <laughs> this week Ken has been tortured because we have watched the Martin Scorsese classic gangster film Goodfellas. Starring mm. Robert De Niro, Joe Pesci, and what's his name? Ray Liotta. Ray Liotta. Lorraine Bracco. Paul Sorvino. I'm Brian Flynn. My uh, distressed Sicilian family here. <laughs> Kenna Trent. Kenna. <laughs> Kenna, how are you? How are you doing? Oh boy, oh boy. I cannot believe I sat through two and a half hours of this. Uh, this is one of the greatest movies ever made. I very much disagree. <laughs> Okay, well, we'll get into it. When Ken and I pick our top five characters from Goodfellas and recast them as if the movie was being made today, how could you remake this? I don't we'll know. You really it. shouldn't. You shouldn't try. <laughs> All right. You should just <laughs> leave it alone. Uh, before we do that, we have some reboot news. Uh, speaking of gangster movies, Scarface. Mexican-born writer Gareth Dunnett Alcocer tapped to rewrite Universal's gangster reboot. Mexican-born writer Gareth Dunnett Alcocer has been tapped to rewrite Universal Pictures' new original take of Scarface. The rap has exclusively learned... Oh, that was a that was one whole sentence. <laughs> <laughs> you know how to read. Yeah. Additionally, Training Day director Anton Fuqua, who previously left the film, has returned. Previous drafts of the film were written by white American writers David Ayer, Jonathan Herman, and Joel and Ethan Cohen, which could have opened up Scarface to changes of cultural insensitivity. The new film will reimagine the 1932 Scarface and the 1983 Brian De Palma version, which starred Al Pacino as Cuban refugee Tony Montana, as the story of a Mexican drug lord in Los Angeles. Really smart move to recognize the flaw in asking, especially today when we are so hyper aware of how we're representing people, to acknowledge that hiring just like white American guys to tell a story that is not theirs is probably a mistake, no matter how big of a name they are. Yeah, I agree. I I would have rather have liked to see like the original. Wait, was the original scar? I thought the original Scarface was Italian, or was he always Cuban? I don't know. I've never seen either Scarface. You'll hate Scarface if you hated yeah. Goodfellas. Yeah, this really is not my kind um, of movie. You're all a bunch of fucking assholes. You know why? You don't have the guts to be what you want to be. You need people like me. You need people like me so you can point your fucking fingers and say, that's the bad guy. So say goodnight to the bad guy. Go on. The last time you're going to see a bad guy like this again, let me tell you. I'm not big on Scarface, and I, I always associate it with, I don't know, just kind of every film student 
D-bag who had the poster up in yeah, my room. Yeah, the poster. Um, but I remember I was at a pizza place in town here, and I guess it was, like, owned by, a, a mem- like, a cast member of Godfather. Huh. And so, like, all of this, like, Godfather stuff was up. Like, all of the, like, Goodfellas, like, De Niro and Pacino were, like, all over the place. And then there was, like, a poster of Scarface. And I was just like, Scarface is Cuban. Like, I don't <laughs> what get. What does this what's, have to do with. Is it just because it's Pacino? Because if that's Probably. the case, like, Scent of a Woman should be up here. Uh a paterno poster should be up here. Oh like, my gosh. It's, it's just like, it, it just like kind of bugged me, but, um, yeah, I don't know. I'm not big on Scarface. I couldn't give two shits about well, this remake. They're remaking it. We'll see how it goes. I do like Anton Fuqua. So yeah. All right. Uh, ready player one. Oh, this is you. Ready player one director, Steven Spielberg. It's a new name. Hasn't <laughs> fresh face in town. Steven Spielberg says it's time for a woman to play Indiana Jones. Steven Spielberg thinks action legend Indiana Jones is finally ready for the ultimate adventure (laughs) to be played by a woman. What a weird sentence. The director knows he would risk fan fury by casting an actress in the role made famous by Harrison Ford, but he believes it is time the explorer took a different form. In an exclusive interview, Spielberg nodded when asked if this new look Jones would be female. He added... We've had to change the name from Jones to Joan, and there would be nothing wrong with that. He also confirmed that this will be Harrison Ford's last Indiana Jones movie, the one they're filming currently. Um, but he wants to continue after Harrison Ford's done. Why would her name be Indiana Joan? Yeah, I Just think name he- her Indiana. They named the dog Indiana. <laughs> I was going to say, what's his real name? Uh, it's... Dang. Why don't I know this? Whatever his dad's name is. It's what he's... he's uh, I'm just, it's going to bother me. Henry Walton Jones. Henry, yeah. Henry. Um, yeah, I, it just seems insane. Just name her Indiana Jones. <laughs> I'll say this. After Kingdom of the Crystal Skull, I don't think anything could get worse than that. So I'm fine. Like, yeah, female Indiana Jones, great. You know why? Because if you, like, try and recast another guy in it, mm-hmm. he's going to fall short. And I think that that's not what this. Yeah, like, and they attempted. Had, they yeah. attempted to cast Shia LaBeouf as his son and make it sort of like. I, I think the intention was to be like, can we pass the legacy on to a new actor? And, and the answer was no. You cannot. The answer was absolutely. <laughs> we very not. quickly found out that that was a bad idea. There's no Sears and Roebuck. Can you grab the snake. I'm calling it that. It's a snake. What do you want me to call it? Hey, rope. What? Hey, grab the rope. Grab the rope. I'm excited for this fifth one, even though I have no idea what it's about. But if they do this, if they get a woman to play Indiana Jones, I would like to see the woman be an African-American. Mm. Yeah. Why not? I just think it would be super fun to see a person of color yeah, in honestly, the 1940s If Nazis. there was no... Depending on how they sort of relate the character, like if her name is Indiana Jones and that's really it, yeah, you could easily pick any actress who is more intersectional yeah and it would 100% work whatever they do with this character is going to infuriate fans regardless because it's so beloved it's Um, just so annoying when people are like it's ruin it's not it's not ruining the legacy like kingdom of the crystal skull ruined the legacy of the first three (laughs) films like you we don't need a woman to do that i know so moving on (laughs) let's move on first wives club tv reboot gets pilot order at paramount network Paramount Network has given a pilot green light for First Wives Club, a half-hour comedy from Girls Trip co-writer Tracy Oliver and Paramount Television. 
Like the film, which starred Diane Keaton, Bette Midler, and Goldie Hawn, the series will be based in New York City. It will follow a group of women who band together after their marriages fall apart and find strength in their sisterhood. And of course, a little revenge. Uh, have you ever seen the first Wives Club? I have. I think I saw it in theaters. Really? Yes, I think I did. I don't remember why. I think... Uh, was this one of those instances where your mom was just like, you're coming to the movies? No, I what think... What movie did you tell me you watched when you were really young that you were like... Oh, my mom assumed I wouldn't remember it. My the first movie I ever saw as a human being was A Fish Called Wanda, and I was <laughs> not a baby, but I was an infant. And my mother was like, I think she just really wanted to get out of the house. She wanted to go see this movie. It, it's a fantastic movie. Yeah, but she didn't think I would remember it. And then like years later, I was like, I've seen that movie. And she was like, What? How do you remember that? I was like, I remember when he ate the fish, when he eats the goldfish, and it like scarred me. <laughs> she was like, That's impossible. I was like, No, I remember it because I like yeah. I couldn't remember anything else about that movie and so later i rewatched it and it's a really great movie if you haven't seen it but in regards to first wives club no my mom didn't take me to it i think i just had like weird friends who were like let's go see first wives club and i was like uh those sound okay. like good friends yeah I, I mean there's nothing like teenagers going to see like menopausal women <laughs> going out on the town all dressed in white i loved morty i wouldn't want to see him hurt or, or harm don't I want him dumped oh. by little Miss Midriff, by that Stairmaster L'Oreal crotch jockey in front of everyone in the Western Hemisphere on the six o'clock news, okay? Brenda. And after that, of course, I want world peace. It's fun, especially I think now it's super fun just because the whole idea of it is, you know, in a, in a culture that tries to tell you as a woman that you're not valued unless mm -hmm. you're with a man. Yeah. Um, it's cool to see people... To see especially like three strong actresses sort of come together and have a little like romp as their marriages are falling apart do you, is do you think really it, fun. Sorry to talk over you. Do you think that this will be as uh, reverberating as the first one? Do you think it will resonate with our culture nowadays? Depends, depends on how they sort of – depends on how they frame it because it can't be exactly the same. But there are still a lot of – there's still a lot of things to be said. Because I think – you know, the idea of divorce isn't that crazy to us these days as maybe it was in like the, I don't know, mid nineties, like maybe, maybe seeing it as a kid, it, I was seeing it a, a differently than yeah. what it maybe was. I just, yeah, I think you're right. Like how, how do you make these three women whose marriages fall apart resonate in today's culture? I think they will. Okay. If the actresses are right too, like it has to be an ensemble of. Do you have any idea of who you would want as these three ladies? Kate oh. Hudson. <laughs> oh, gosh. What can what can Paramount Network get us? Okay, guys. Uh, we're going to get into our reboot, but first we have a couple rules. I just want to make this last forever because I don't want to get to the movie. Uh, <laughs> I promise you it'll be as painless as an ice pick <laughs> to the back of the head. Uh, okay. No. Okay. So we have some rules starting with number one. No remakes reboots or long lost sequels we will not do a movie that has already been redone in the last 20 years so that includes franchises like star wars that sort of pop back up every once in a while and give us a sequel and then go away we also made a little amendment to, our to rule. this role because we can do that because there's so many like remake there's so many articles about remakes that come out that are rumored then it just goes away and so we were trying to figure out how to legitimize this rule so that we know what's fair game and what's not. And what we ultimately came up with is if a remake has been rumored, but has not, does not have any further information for the last two years, then it's fair game. 
it's basically released from development hell and we get to take a crack at it. Yeah. But if a movie starts to chug along and directors get attached, writers mm-hmm. get attached, a release date, casting, production start. Yeah. Obviously it's gone. Yeah. So we're just going to be a little more picky about it, you know, because you can Google like something plus remake and have at least one article that comes right. up about so many things. Right. But OK. Second rule is no imaginary casting or Dreamcast must be made up of actors that are alive and working today. So no casting Sopranos star James Gandolfini. <laughs> oh, man. I, I kept thinking like was how did how badly did I wish that James Gandolfini was just I mean alive for many reasons because he's a phenomenal actor. Yeah. But for this specific episode, man. Um, and no tender casting we are not casting and this one's really tough for this one I think because each character has a specific look we cannot cast someone just based on how they look you have to have seen their work and be able to vouch for their talent Mm -hmm. and I have a feeling that our uh, this disclaimer that we put out every week is really important this week if you're not sitting at your computer on your phone with IMDB open you should do that right now I cannot make the recommendation that if you have not seen this movie, you should don't Come don't on. watch this see movie. See this movie; it's a classic. It, look, it's it might not be like one of the best. I would say this: The Godfather is far superior than this movie, but this is definitely one of the most classic American movies made. One of the most classic American crime movies ever made, and it's based on a true story. So I think it's mm-hmm. it's I think it's interesting. But we'll get into it, guys. We're gonna get into the reboot of Goodfellas. <laughs> Get the fuck out of here, Tommy. <laughs> you motherfucker. I almost had him. I almost had him. Stutter, you stuttering prick yet? Frankie, was he shaking? I wonder about you sometimes, Henry. You may fold under questioning. <laughs> okay, everyone. It's time for our recast. We are going to be doing Henry Hill, played by Ray Liotta. Jimmy Conway, played by Robert De Niro. Tommy DeVito, played by Joe Pesci. Karen Hill, played by Lorraine Bracco. And Paul Cicero, played by Paul Servino. Those are our top five. Pretty much the the five main characters of the film. Mm-hmm. Kenna, I'm going to let you rip into this movie for a bit. But can I please <laughs> just tell my Henry Hill story? Yeah. Real quick? So I went to go see this movie at the Hollywood Forever Cemetery, and they had guest speaker Henry Hill, the actual the guy, guy that yeah. the movie's about. And there's a little Q&A and, you know, everyone gets – they're asking him a couple questions about like what was it like to be in the mob? How, you know, what was your life like after you went into witness protection? And then finally someone got up there and was like, did Tommy DeVito actually kill Billy Bats? It's one of the mm-hmm. biggest scenes in the movie when Joe Pesci comes back and kills a made man. And it, it sort of yeah. sets Henry's life, you know – down a path that he will never recover from. And the real Henry Hill is like, you know, no one will ever know. You know what? I I can't really say. But who knows? The guy deserved it. 
He like oh my god fully was just like yeah Tommy definitely killed Billy Bats. I mean yeah I have never read the book nor will I ever read this book uh-huh. but I'm assuming that part is in the book I'm assuming it's part of his story that he tells about his time yeah but in I, the mob like but I don't think the police ever solve the murder of Billy Bats. Mm. I. Th- think the mob just like concluded on their own right that it was Tommy who did it mm, which okay. is why they whack him at the end before Gosh. he's supposed to get made I was I was so happy when Joe Okay okay let's talk about it I'll okay I'm going to make some generalizations here first <clears throat> and honestly I'm sort of apologizing for it but I don't think I should because here's my big problem with this movie I get that when I mentioned to several people that I had watched Goodfellas for the first time, like lots of people were like, yeah, I mean, it's a pretty violent movie, assuming that's why I had a problem with it. And I was like, who do you think I am? Like violence is not the problem. The problem is that men, I think especially genuinely love movies about men in the mob because it's like a weird fantasy that I think a lot of men have this idea that you can do whatever you want and somebody's always got your back. So essentially there are almost never consequences. You can treat women however you want. You can treat uh, other people however you want. You can kill, you can steal, and it's just part of your life. And I think there's something that I'm not excluding people from this, but I think men especially find really attractive about the lifestyle. I mean, that's what Henry says at the beginning of the movie. He grew up idolizing the mafia guys in his neighborhood, and that's why he got into it. And it is disgusting to me. It is so gross. See, the hardest thing for me was leaving the life. And we were treated like movie stars with muscle. We had it all just for the asking. Our wives, mothers, kids, everybody rode along. I had paper bags filled with jewelry stashed in the kitchen. I had a sugar bowl full of coke next to the bed. Anything I wanted was a phone call away. Free cars, the keys to a dozen hideout flats all over the city. I'd bet 20, 30 grand over a weekend. And then I'd either blow the winnings in a week or go to the Sharks to pay back the bookies. There is not a female in this movie who is treated well in any capacity. I I think the dangerous thing that we do sometimes in storytelling is that we tend to look at it and be like, well, this is how it is. So we got to tell it how it is. And I but I think we just have to be a little bit careful about uh, what we praise and idolize specifically because like these men were real people and they were not good people. So there's two issues that I want to kind of split this into. So the first thing is the reality of the situation. Mm-hmm is definitely real and it's definitely horrifying. Like, Mm -hmm. this stuff happens. So to watch this movie and say, like, oh, look how fun this is, that's not how I watch it. I watch a movie about people who live on the other side of the law and, like, what it's like for them Mm -hmm. and how awful it gets. Because eventually everyone gets theirs. Everyone either ends up dead or in jail. Mm -hmm. So the glamour of it starts off pretty high and then it immediately, not immediately, but pretty quickly comes crashing all down. So there's there's that. But in terms of a film to enjoy, I agree with you. There are people out there who idolize this movie, I think, because of the gangster aspect of it. I am not one of those people. I am nervous about my cast because I I do have people in my life who do love this movie a lot. And so, like, recasting this, I'm nervous like I'm going to get whacked. Uh, I want to have a conversation with every single (laughs) one of these people. Um, But I still think, like, you can enjoy this movie and not idolize it. No, it is... You can cut 45 minutes out of this movie. Someone give me someone give me a file. Like I will cut 40. 
I the thing that infuriated me when I was reading the trivia because I got very bored in the middle of this movie and it was just reading the mm-hmm. trivia. So Nicholas Pelleggi, who wrote the he wrote the book and then anyway, I, Scorsese essentially convinced the guy who wrote the movie as well that they didn't need to follow a narrative structure. That it was unnecessary. And I was like, yeah, it's 100% apparent because there's a point in the movie where you're like, where are we going? And we're not being guided down a really solid path. And then by the end of the movie, when you realize that the whole point is for, you know, us to go on this journey of him eventually deciding that he wanted, like he gets to a place where he has to decide to get out of the mob and cool. But there is a lot of wandering in the middle and it's not very driving. It's not very cohesive. And I got super bored and I'll give it to you that the shot, the long shot of them walking into the club is really cool. I mean, that's just like that film school masturbation. Like, I don't rede- care about the long That doesn't, shots. like, redeem very much of the movie. It is way too long and way too windy of a road to go on for me to be like, yes, masterpiece. Like, no, the storytelling is not, it's just not interesting. See, I feel like I can't defend this movie because of the fact that I am a, I'm a guy. But I'm going to defend this no, no, movie no. because I think – I disagree that it doesn't have a narrative. I think it's like Henry's rise into being a mobster. Mm-hmm. Then he has his first score that kind of pushes him to this echelon of richness that he needs to maintain. And then he gets the second score, which then cultivates in Jimmy becoming this mad, paranoid guy. And he starts killing off all these people, which starts bringing heat on Henry's drug scheme. Kenna's face is priceless right now. Um, I'm listening. And then it's, it's listening. basically like the drug running catches up to him and then he's cut out of the family. And then they're worried that he's going to talk. And so he has to turn on the people that were always his family and essentially become the one thing he swore he never would be, which was a rat. So that's sort of the structure. It, it does ramble. Uh, yes, it's a long movie. Scorsese tends to do that. And I'm not here to besmirch Mr. Scorsese, who I am. obviously. That's what I'm here for. That's Whatever. Why you like Hugo. Like, I'm not here talking about Hugo. It was a lovely movie. Oh, God. Guys, I've only seen three Scorsese movies. He's not He's not my type of thing. How many Rolling Stones songs were in Hugo? It took me about a week of sneaking around before I could unload the Pittsburgh stuff. But when I did, it was a real score. I, I started using Sandy's place to mix the stuff. And even with Sandy snorting more than she mixed... I could see that this was a really good business. Like, where would Scorsese <laughs> be without the motherfucking Rolling Stones? That's, uh, that's a, a really question. good question. Like, it, it's it's weird how, like, synonymous his movies and their music are together, right? I'm just trying I mean, to I've diverge not seen the that conversation. Many, I've not but... seen that many Scorsese movies. We had this conversation. Okay, about. let's get into the recasts. Um, and we'll talk about each character as we go along and your hatred for every single mm-hmm. one of them. Uh, I'm going to go first. Okay, please do. Henry Hill, played by Ray Liotta. This was kind of hard. I was trying to find an actor that could play that frantic paranoia that Henry yeah, kind of has. By the end, he's yeah. just basically strung out. I picked Michael Pitt from mm. Ghost in the Shell and Funny Games, and he was also in, he was also in Boardwalk Empire. Yeah. I, I cruised a lot of Boardwalk Empire IMDb. Yeah, <laughs> I did too. Um, so that's who I picked because I th- I think he's a really interesting actor, and and I I think he can start off with that cool, calm mm-hmm. gangster celebrity that Henry has in the beginning and then morph it in kind of the strung out drug dealer that he kind of becomes at the end. I like Michael Pitt a lot. I haven't seen uh, too much of his work, but that like American remake of uh, Funny Games is really phenomenal. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm into that. I definitely considered him, but ultimately... For Henry? Yeah. Okay. But ultimately uh, picked somebody somewhat related. Ooh. Because I sort of abandoned all hope 
Uh, <laughs> there was a point when I was Googling things like Italian actors. Like, oh, yeah, just me too. Give me, me too. Give, give me somebody who can play uh, play Italian. And I, I sort of at one point, which this is kind of a bold move, switched to British actors of Italian descent, uh-huh. which is tough because this accent is not easily done if you're not American. Yeah. I mean, even British, really wonderful British actors will be like, I can't do an authentic New York. An inauthentic New York and inauthentic Boston accent is like nails on a chalkboard to me. It's really tough. It's like watching an American do a British accent. <laughs> um, but I feel really good about my choice. I picked another Boardwalk Empire alum, Jack Houston. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yes. Who, I mean, I haven't seen, I haven't seen Boardwalk Empire, but... Wait. But what have you seen? I have seen him. Pride and Prejudice and Zombies. That's what you watched him in. Yeah. That's what. <laughs> and Ben-Hur. He's I, in American Hustle. He's in The mm-hmm. Longest Ride. He's in Ben-Hur and Kill Your Darlings. And I think he's really fantastic. I think he's a really genuine actor um, and a really adaptable actor. And ultimately, I mean, there was just to a certain degree, I feel like you had to pick. You had to pick this guy who had not only the allure of personality that, you know, he was going to be able to do whatever he wanted, get whatever he wanted. He's your guy. But I think he also has to have a certain good look. He has to have charm. You got some nerve standing me up. Nobody does that to me. Who the hell do you think you are? Frankie Valley or some oh, kind of big shot? <laughs> slow down, slow down, all right? I forgot. I thought it was next week. It was Friday. It was this Friday. And you agreed, so you're a liar. Come on, we can talk about this, all right? Take it easy. Talk about it? talk to you after what you just did to me? Forget it. I'm not talking to you about it. Wait a second. I thought you were going to stand me up. You look bored. You didn't say anything. What do you expect? Let me make it up to you. I'll think of it. I don't know this guy's work very well, so I can't speak to him, but he definitely looks the part. Yeah, I, I definitely something I contended with <laughs> while watching this movie is I I think I literally wrote it down because I found myself being so confused. I wrote, am I attracted to Ray Liotta in this movie? Yes. The answer is yes. <laughs> Even when he's like, freak, he, like freaked out I, like, I think, or strung out. I honestly weird. think the thing that got me, because he's a good looking guy. The thing that got me are those little sweaters. The little sweaters? <laughs> those little like sweaters that they would wear like continuously throughout the movie. You know what I'm talking about? Oh, They're yeah. like two-tone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And like buttoned. Mm-hmm. They're just so cute. How about his laugh? Oh, when he's just like, oh, boy. Who's a scarier laugh, Ray Liotta or Willem Dafoe? Willem Dafoe looks like a demon when he laughs. Uh, Ray Liotta. Ray Liotta's laugh, uh, I, I'll never get it out of my head. Just the look on his face is so gifable. Should we move on? Yeah. Should we move on to Jimmy Conway? We're done. Jimmy Conway, played by Robert De Niro. Yeah, I had a really tough time with this one. I found myself going to um, even like Scorsese's newest movie, The Irishman. Mm -hmm. Um, I found myself looking. Oh, I did too. I was like, well, and I was like, this is a bad idea. Um, But the person I think I found that I was like, this just it, it considering where he's at and who he is, it just made the most sense. Even though he is starring in The Irishman, was Bobby Cannavale. I almost picked him. And I'm, I'm, I'm bummed I didn't, but I think because, you know, cause I, I kind of bounce back and forth with Jimmy because he's, I mean, cause it's Robert De Niro, right? It, mm-hmm. He's very, very intimidating to a point where it's like, he's the scariest person in the room, mm-hmm. but he also is like really jovial at points. 
So that's why I was thinking of Bobby. But I, the thing that turns me to the person I picked is after the airport heist when he becomes more irate and more paranoid and starts killing everybody. What are you getting excited for, Jimmy? What am I getting excited for? You stupid, we got a million fucking bulls out there. Everybody's watching us and you get a fucking car. Are they telling me I'm excited? My mother's name. What'd you say? Are you being a fucking wise guy with me? Huh? I'm sorry. What did I tell you? What did I tell you? You don't buy anything, you hear me? Don't buy anything. I kept thinking about the duality of the character being uh, that Henry meets him when he's a kid, essentially. And so there's this weird sort of like fatherly, like nurturing aspect of like he's he meets him and he introduces him to Tommy and they sort of grow up in this world together. And so I was like, who is this person who can be uh, sort of a father figure to him, but then turn into a peer? And I I liked the idea of, of Bobby Cannavale being both yeah that's a good way to put it that's why i kind of struggle too because they have to be within like that same age range just for reference yeah except for joe pesci is like a million years old and his character's 21 <laughs> that was the other thing it was like because uh tommy is supposed to be kind of henry's age but yeah. in reality de niro and pesci are the same age so ray Liotta was 36 robert de niro was 47 and joe pesci was 47 and i'm not thrilled with my pick for tommy but we'll get there okay um, I'm also not super thrilled with my pick for Jimmy because it's my first repeat, and it's like... Oh, who did you pick? I picked John Bernthal. I picked him again for my tombstone pick. Oh, that's pretty good. Thank you. Yeah, no, I like that. And I didn't pick him because he kind of has a De Niro-esque-ness to him. I just just think that he, he just seems like a gangster in a lot of his stuff. Like, he, he seems like someone who could be calm... He, you know what? Yeah, was what I said earlier is like he seems like the most dangerous person in the room, and yes. even when he's like being super nice and funny mm-hmm. and like charming, he seems like he can, at any minute, just kind of snap, snap. And I would just sort of love to see him play those moments when, who's the way the the toupee guy keeps like coming and bugging him for money. Oh yeah, yeah. M- Marty, not Marty, Morty, Morty. Yeah, yeah. um, I, I just kind of wanted to see John Bernthal kind of be like prodded in those moments that speaking of is it maury 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 Maury. speaking of him one of my favorite things i read in the trivia was that they like this the ad that they play his like uh hair piece ad is based off of a real commercial that i think scorsese saw and so they hired the guy who did this original commercial to make the fake one for the movie so it would look the same oh really and i really loved that notion that he was like we want it to look bad so will you do it <laughs> yes and then i'm gonna put it in my movie ha 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 that's what scorsese sounds like don't buy wigs that come off at the wrong time maury's wigs don't come off even underwater and remember maury's wigs are tested against hurricane winds don't forget about money you can afford a maury wig price to fit every budget so call me now anything else on jimmy i know i know this movie is a struggle and you're you're probably wanting to rush but no, we can uh, – we'll talk very little about Joe Pesci and then a lot yeah. about Lorraine Bracca. The scene when he's like, do you want like coats? Do you want to get like some stuff? And he sends uh, Karen down the street. Do you think Jimmy was going to kill Karen? That's a good question. As like a warning to Henry? Or do you think Honestly, she's I just think everybody got really out? annoyed with her. And so it's possible. I, I feel like you don't care. When really, <laughs> when really she was the best character in the whole movie. She's an incredible character. I was obs- – oh my gosh. We'll get to it. Okay. We'll get to it. Tommy DeVito played by Joe Pesci. I had – I struggled. Uh, I almost put Michael Pitt in this and then tried to find a different Henry. And then literally before mm. this pod, I was like, no, no, no. I can't put that guy as Henry. 
I'll tell you off, off mic. Who, who is your Tommy? Who did you pick? Uh, I picked Jeremy Renner. What? Yeah, I know. Eh. It's insane. It is insane. Have you ever seen... Uh, well, okay, Jeremy Renner, obviously, he's in the Avengers movies. But have you seen The Town? Yes. And I just saw him in Wind River, and he's phenomenal. This is why I picked him. Joe Pesci in this movie... First of all, Joe Pesci as an actor as a whole, I feel like, is wildly underrated. He's phenomenal as an actor. Like, my cousin Vinny is so fucking good. And now he's just, like, retired, and he's only coming back for Martin Scorsese's The Irishman. I'm okay with that. <laughs> you don't like Joe Pesci? Again, I can't say I'm a huge fan of his work, because I don't think I've seen very much of it, but... There was just a point in this movie where I was like, oh, thank God he's dead. We don't have to hear him talk anymore. This is why I picked <laughs> Jeremy Renner. I think he's a good actor. And if Martin Scorsese doesn't give a shit about Joe Pesci's age, why should I give a shit about Jeremy Renner's age? They're the same age. Yeah. Jeremy Renner is 47. True. Could he play a 30-year-old man? I don't think so, but I don't mm-hmm. give a fuck. I think him doing the scene where he, like, kills Spider, mm-hmm. I think he could I could think he could pull it off. I just That's couldn't upsetting. find anyone. You know what? I just couldn't. I don't know. I was I was lost on this one. I think one of the reasons I really disliked Tommy as a character, not necessarily Joe Pesci, was that I felt a little bit like he was the epitome of the reason why I disliked the movie, especially in the scene where he kills Spider, where he's like playing around with the guy and everybody's sort of like, he's joking. He's joking. He's a jokester. He always jokes. He's joking. And then he gets so offended that he just shoots him this kid who's working tell the truth you're looking for sympathy is that it sweetie why don't you go fuck yourself tommy you let this fucking punk get away with that what's the matter what's the world coming to fucking world is coming to? How do you like that? Tommy, I'm kidding with you. What the fuck are you doing? Are you a fucking sick maniac? I don't know if you're kidding. What do you mean you're kidding? You're breaking my fucking balls? I'm fucking kidding with you. You fucking shoot the guy? He's dead. You stupid bastard. I can't fucking believe you. Now you're gonna dig the fucking thing up. You're gonna dig the hole. You're gonna do it. I got no fucking line. You're gonna do it. Fuck cares. I'll dig the fucking hole. I don't give a fuck. Was the first hole I dug? First time I dug a hole, I'll dig a fucking hole. Where are the shovels? It was definitely this moment of like male fragility, which I'm not like, <laughs> I feel like I sound like a hyper feminist right now, but it was so annoying because it's one of those things where like these men in his life, like had a chance to stop him and be like, okay, calm, actually calm down because you're losing your mind. And he like, it's only after he shoots the guy that they're like, are you crazy? He is crazy. Yeah. That's the thing. He is. I just like when men when, be better. And <laughs> that's the moral of this whole story. And the opening scene where they're driving along and Billy Bats is in the trunk and they uh-huh. realize he's alive. They pull over and they open the trunk and Tommy stabs him with a kitchen knife. Oh, a lot. Like 14 times. And then Jimmy comes in and shoots him in the head. He was like that's, a little Chucky doll. Right. Like, he was like, that's, uh, uh, uh. But that's supposed <laughs> to show you that like Tommy is completely mental, which is why he like... It's his downfall. Um, I know. My my Tommy, I mean, Mia Culpa, I really hate my pick for this. So let's, yeah. let's go. Um, I picked John Magaro, who reoccurred on Orange is the New Black as Lorna's boyfriend. He's done a lot of TV. He was in the big short. But yeah, I think uh-huh. he's really wonderful. But I was just thinking about if you haven't seen him in Orange is the New Black, like he um, – 
decides to marry one of the main inmates that we follow in the story. Mm -hmm. And there is something so like timid, but yet wild about him that I was like, I think he would nail it. Like maybe we Mm -hmm. haven't seen this exact thing from him, but like who else have we seen it from that isn't Joe Pesci? So yeah, I wish I, I wish I had thought of him too. I, I completely forgot about the big short. I don't know him very well, but he, he definitely has a look. And he's not 40 fucking seven years old like Jeremy fucking Renner. <laughs> Let's just forget I picked him. And move on to Karen because I really like my Karen pick. Karen. Lorraine Bracco was awesome in this movie. My absolute favorite part of the movie <clears throat> was when she goes to Henry's mistress's apartment and is just like screaming into the intercom. I'm going to tell everyone who walks in this building that in two hours. You are nothing but a whore! Is this the superintendent? Yes, I want you to know, sir, that you have a whore living in the Rossi! Janice Rossi, do you hear me? He's my husband! Get your own goddamn man! Her kids are with her. She's losing her damn mind. Yeah. I cannot believe that she stayed with him for so long through all of it. And I think the mo- I think the like the device of the monologue helps. Especially for Karen, because without it, you would just think that she's the dumbest person in the world. But Mm -hmm. as soon as she's like, yeah, when your boyfriend hands you a gun, most girls would leave. But I have to admit, it turned me on. Mm -hmm. And then like, I forget what the other monologue was, but it was basically like the lifestyle. She got used to the lifestyle. It became normal. Like this was just fun to her. Before she was even addicted to any sort of drug, like the lifestyle was her drug. Yeah. And like without that, she just seems like the craziest woman who just like goes along with everything but i will say that i kind of agree with her like there is something very (laughs) appealing about a man who if you told him if you told him like this guy touched me and i didn't want him to and i'm very upset that he immediately was like i'm gonna go beat his face in do you think it's a little double standard that like if guys (laughs) again i couldn't care less about please mansplain this to me i'm not mansplaining i'm just wondering like (laughs) For there's an it seems like you have an issue for guys who fetishize this movie, uh-huh. but then to like see Henry storming around and like bash a dude's face in with a gun to sort of quote unquote protect a woman's honor, like yeah, isn't that a little? Mm, what no. is that? What's up with that? <laughs> I mean, I'm not I have, I'm the least think, qualified person to talk about I mean, these I issues. Th- so I think again, like it goes back to responsible storytelling. Mm-hmm. Like I think. It's one of those things where maybe just as a woman, it's easier for me to understand, like, the reason for the violence being that, like, whatever he goes through, even at this point, like, he loves this woman. And so in that instance, it's like, okay, his reaction because of, like, everything he's grown up understanding is I'm going to I'm going to hurt him. What do you want, fucko? You want something? Hey! What are you doing? Oh, oh, oh. I swear, my fucking mother! If you touch her again, you're dead. Oh. 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 Maybe, admittedly, it's a little off because for me as a woman, I'm like, oh, it makes sense. Like it's because he loves her, and it's not just because like he's a guy and he likes like he's a mob guy and they live for this kind of action. But I and that thinking may be very flawed. But <laughs> I was like, yeah, if somebody ever looked at me the wrong way, I would, I would hope, <laughs> to just I would hope my him. boyfriend would be like, okay, Put him in a garbage, like a who dumpster? do I need to murder? Oh, boy. Okay. Um, I think 
we need to hear who your Karen is. Yes. So I picked Allison Brie. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Of community and mm-hmm. glow. Mm-hmm. Yep. I like that pick. Um, I love Allison Brie. You know all about yeah, this. Okay. You do like Allison Brie. Um, I think she is just a phenomenal actress, first of all. But I think maybe even more so than any of the male characters. Like, this woman needs to have a really healthy sense of humor about what's going on in this movie because mm-hmm. it's insanity. Like, the stuff that she does is just mind-blowing um but it's it's a really interesting transformation i think that she makes because she sort of like they go from being like the woman who sat up all night with her parents because henry wasn't home to then being the woman who was like flushing coke down the toilet because they're about to like raid her house i i she she can do that she can go from being sort of like madman allison brie yeah to uh, the scene where um, Henry comes back from jail and is like looking for that stash. She's yeah. like, I flushed it. And he's like, why'd you do that, Karen? I, I felt so bad. I was like, dude, she probably saved you jail yeah. time, man. Like, like they lost money, but like she's saving his life. <sighs> Where's the stuff that I left, Karen? I flushed it down the toilet. You what? What was I supposed to do? They were all over the house. Karen, that was worth $60,000. I need that money. That's all we got. What was I supposed to do? They Karen! Weren't they were in everything. That's all the money that we had, Karen. I was dependent on that. Why did you do that? They were going to find oh, it. Fuck, Karen. They would have never they found it. it. I swear to you, Henry. I swear to Henry. They would have found it. Oh, no. Why did you do that? Why? Why did you do that, Karen? Oh my god. I picked an actress who um plays a lot of characters that kind of live on the other side of uh the straight and narrow. I picked Riley Keough. I like her a lot. Yeah. She is in Mad Max Fury Road and the Girlfriend Experience TV show, not the movie. Mm-hmm. And um she's in that new HBO Paterno movie where she plays like the reporter who's coming after Joe Paterno. But I think she uh, I think she's a really great actress. Mm-hmm. And for all the reasons that we just talked about, Karen, I think she can pull off that kind of – I think she has a strength that you need to be Karen. Like mm-hmm. the endurance you have to have yeah. throughout this movie over the decades of like abuse and crime and infidelity and then ultimately like, you know, moving and like disappearing I think is – How about that scene where he she is like holding a gun to his head when he wakes up? Karen, take it easy. Do you love her? Do you? Karen, I love you. You know I love you. Karen, baby, baby, don't, don't. But still, I couldn't hurt him. How could I hurt him? I couldn't even bring myself to leave him. The truth was that no matter how bad I felt, I was still very attracted to him. Why should I give him to someone else? Why should she win? So you like parts of this movie? I liked her. I liked her. I liked her a lot. Because there were so many times that I was like, man, what if she just shot him? Yeah. she would have. Well, she would have gone to jail. Worth it. And then she probably she probably would have got whacked because she knew a lot. She knew a lot. Ugh. Don't marry the mob. Yeah. I mean, guys, if there's one thing we can really tell you, I guess it's don't, just marry. don't marry the mob. Also, just <laughs> don't watch this movie. Yeah, watch The Godfather if you're going to watch a crime movie. Sure. You will like The Godfather. I 
I think my my issue with The Godfather is the only time I watched it was in film school. And oh. we we sat at our professors like we sat at somebody's house and it took five hours yeah. to watch the whole movie while one. she like went through it. And I was just like, oh, she paused it to talk about it. Yeah. Oh, God. Uh, yeah. So I yeah, I haven't revisited it. But. I don't think I've ever liked a movie I watched in film school. I think it, it like something about the setting of film school makes you hate the movies. that you We watch. actually did a really interesting exercise in grad school where our like one of our professors was just like, I want to I want to like hear your reactions about movies. So mm-hmm. he would just like sit us in a theater. We would watch something and just chat about it afterwards. That's and cool. that's really healthy. But yeah. doing the thing where you're just like picking something apart until it it almost doesn't make sense anymore. That happened to me with Toy Story. How do you how do you what? bring someone to a point where Toy Story is what? like Chinese water torture? Like it's oh, awful. that's so hurtful. Anyways, enough about film school nerds. Um, we went to film school. <laughs> <laughs> Polly Cicero, played by Paul Sorvino. And you know what I liked about Paul Sorvino in this role is like when they first introduced Polly, and he's just kind of this like bulldog that he just doesn't say anything, and he's mm-hmm. this like droopy face. For a guy who moved all day long. Polly didn't talk to six people. If there was a union problem or, say, a beef in the numbers, then only the top guys can meet with Polly to discuss the problem. Everything was one-on-one. Polly hated conferences. He didn't want anybody hearing what he said, and he didn't want anybody listening to what he was being told. I just like his look is like really, really interesting, which is why it's like, yeah, yeah. Gandolfini would have destroyed in this role. He yeah, would have, 100%. He, yeah. I went with Vincent D'Onofrio. That's pretty good. Um, Vincent D'Onofrio is in the new Daredevil TV show, but he's mm-hmm. also in Law and Order. One of the Law Criminal, Criminal, Criminal Intent. Full Metal Jacket. He was in, recently in Jurassic World. Is mm-hmm. sort of bigger blockbuster work. Um, Men in Black. Oh, yeah. Men in Black. That's so uh, – yeah. man, I wish we could do that maybe. But um, I think he can play that presence of like the the, mm-hmm. the gangster who who becomes like the father to Henry and then later in life basically turns his back on Henry and then Henry gives him up. Well, because Henry did the one thing he told him not to do. Yeah. That was a scene that once I read that apparently like he ad-libbed that smack where he like hits Henry and is like, don't do it. Just stay away from the garbage, you know what I mean? I'm not talking about what you did inside. You did what you had to do. I'm talking about now. From now, here, and now. Grib's got 20 years just for saying hello to some fuck who was sneaking behind his back selling junk. I don't need that. Ain't gonna happen to me. You understand? Uh-huh. You know that you're only out early because I got you a job. Yeah. And I don't need this heat. Understand that? Uh-huh. And you see anybody fucking around with this shit, you're gonna tell me, right? Yeah. That means anybody. And so that's why, like, the look on Ray Liotta's face is like, oh. <laughs> he hit me. Um... So I uh, gave up and <laughs> decided to uh, cast somebody who was in the original <laughs> because I just didn't care. So, oh, um, <laughs> you know, if you don't put in the effort, the audience isn't going to put in the effort. They're going to smell like- the indifference and they're going to check out guys. This movie is good, all right? We do so we do so many great movies and this is just This is one of them. This is a good movie. Yeah. Mm. I mean, sure. Uh I picked Michael Imperioli who played Spider in the original From Sopranos, yeah. Uh and yeah, has gone on to have a really successful career. Uh yeah, if you saw Sopranos, he was in Law and Order, he was in The mm-hmm. Lovely Bones. Mm-hmm. I had a well one I I a hundred percent knew you were going to recast someone from the original. Yeah, it was easy. But him and then 
who who played his brother, Michael's brother, later in life in the wheelchair? He was also um Oh yeah, yeah. The guy who was on like ground do you remember that show Grounded for Life? Uh-huh. Yes. Yeah. What was his name? Was he also an undeclared? Mm, or am I thinking maybe. of someone else? Grounded for Life is a really funny show. Let me see if I can pull this up. Kevin Corgan. Yeah, he's really good. I almost just see him as like a funny guy though. I wouldn't have bought him in a part in this movie. Yeah. Yeah, I like Michael Imperioli. I think he's I think he's an intimidating presence. Who can who can be that way uh, as as a silent character essentially mm-hmm. in the beginning when we're mm-hmm. just supposed to see him as the the boss. I loved uh, the scene when they have to go to jail. Uh huh. And they're like cooking dinner, and mm-hmm. Polly's like cutting the garlic with like a tiny razor blade, and like oh, eat, like how gosh. important eating was to them, regardless of their circumstance. In prison, dinner was always a big thing. We had a pasta course, and then we had a meat or a fish. Paulie did the prep work. He was doing a year for contempt, and he had this wonderful system for doing the garlic. He used a razor, and he used to slice it so thin that it used to liquefy in the pan with just a little oil. That's a very good system. Vinny was in charge of the tomato sauce. I felt he used too many onions, but it was still a very good sauce. Vinny, don't put too many onions in the sauce. Okay, guys, that was our five for Goodfellas. Should we uh, move it along to where does Bear Papa go? Do you want to go first? Do you want to say we're Barry Pepper? Sure. Come on. <laughs> Come on. This is this is this is your favorite I part. I could not remember. I could not remember anybody's name from this movie when it was over. And so when I was like, crap, I had to put Barry Pepper somewhere. I was like, ugh. Who 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 were these people in this movie? Mm-hmm. Um so I went and looked through the IMDB and um picked out a name that was familiar in that scene where uh He's going through the bar and just being like, that's uh, Tommy, blah, 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 and he does this. Mm-hmm. And then Tommy will be like, what's up, Henry? Yeah. Um, and I picked Jimmy two times because he says everything twice. Get the papers. Get the papers. And uh, Yeah. I mean, it's sort of a throwaway because that's pretty good. What What do any of these people mean <laughs> to me? Um, I, I had to put Mr. Barry Pepper on the side of the angels. And I put him as the witness protection agent who gets Henry and Karen out. And isn't when, that per- wait, isn't, wasn't that guy like famous? I don't know. I couldn't find him. I was trying to find out who he was, but I, yeah. don't, I couldn't find him on IMDb. So hmm. that's who I had. Um, and I just love when, even in that moment, Henry's like, just don't send me any more cold. And he's like, Sir, that's uh, that's not up to us. Like <laughs> you don't cannot. Have, you don't ask have. For and that. He's like, look, I just. It's just. What does Karen say? She's like, he has. He's bronchial. He's bronchial. <laughs> <laughs> he's bronchial. He's like, well, if he really is bronchial, then maybe something can be worked out. But even in that moment, like they're still trying to work the system. They're yes. still trying to like. Um, any other small bits? I know you're you're you want out. You're like ready to just. I'll say this. I think when this movie started. I, I think I even wrote down the beginning of this movie is good mm-hmm. because I was pr- I was not looking forward to watching it um, partially because part of my distaste for this movie is that I, there's just a barrier to entry for me of I don't like this genre of filmmaking. Mm-hmm. But I was when I started watching it, I was like, OK, I can do this. This is this is going to be OK. This this opening maybe like 15 minutes where we're sort of watching him grow up. Uh, was really, really quick and really interesting, but it just very quickly lost me. That's unfortunate. Um, I I enjoyed this movie quite a bit. I, I 
these are the two bits that I, I took away this time from this movie. And I know there's a lot of people out there who like dissect this movie and all the trivia. But um, Scorsese's is it Scorsese's mom who plays Tommy's mom? Mm-hmm. I just thought she was delightful. Why don't you get yourself a nice girl? I get, get a nice one almost every night, ma. Yeah, but get yourself a girl so you could settle down. That's what I, I mean. settle down almost every night, but then in the morning I'm free. I love you. <laughs> I want to be with you. I'll just settle down. <laughs> the other thing. Could the cars in these in this movie get any louder? Like every car was like screeching away at top <laughs> volume. It was like every single yeah. car was just like. <laughs> it was fucking. It drove me nuts. Oh yeah, I mean, I'm gonna be honest. I will forget most of this movie in several weeks, and I'm fine with that. Well, I'm sorry that it caused you so much pain, but don't worry. At least worry. it was free. It's, it's free. free. It's, on, it's Netflix. on Netflix. Check it so. out, guys. I like this movie. A lot of people like this movie. AFI put it in their top 100, Kenna. So what okay. do you have to say about that? Um, but you know what? The torture is over. We're done. Guys, thank you so much for listening to this episode of The Boot. Um, Kenna, where can they find us? You can find this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, and really wherever you get your podcasts. Just look for us. Um, you can find us as a podcast on social media at The Boot Podcast on Twitter and at Boot Podcast on Instagram. Keep an eye on our Twitter because we're going to be posting every week little hints about what we're doing for next week so you can maybe prepare a little bit in advance if you would like to. Um, but uh, yeah, if you're not into that, you can just find me on social media at Kinetrent. You can find Brian on social media at Flynn B. That's right, guys. And if you like this podcast, please subscribe and rate and please tell your friends to do the same. Mm -hmm. uh, maybe even leave a little review if you hate yeah. our picks. I'm very sorry for Jeremy Renner. I, I do you think regret. he's ever going to hear this? If he does, I think he'd enjoy that I picked him. But I just, mm. you know. Uh, I, I hope someday Barry Pepper hears this. Oh my god, I hope so. Alright guys, we'll see you next time. Now take me to jail.